What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Brandon Thurston from WrestleNomics is up next. And we're going to follow Brandon with John Pollock from Post Wrestling. Thank you and good afternoon, everyone. But we can't ignore the math, okay? We can't ignore the data. Go on Google Trends, type in your name, then type in mine. You're a straight line, I'm a pyramid. I like the very direct question on that. Television ratings, downward spiral, buy rates, plummeting. The time is now to turn the math around. And with that, we are live, everybody. It is John Pollock and Brandon Thurston. How are you, Brandon? I'm fine. Uh, it was. Uh, I, I'm ready for a, a robust conversation uh, about the, the TKO earnings call. You know, my favorite part of these calls are always to determine what is what is the lingo. And my question to you: is, I thought that we were going to go with Endeavor Flywheel, but I think yes. I think though the sleeper of this call was anecdote to churn yes a- antidote to churn antidote a- sorry an, a- an anecdote about churn would be a story about how, how someone canceled their subscription you're but right an antidote would be the content of world wrestling entertainment or the ultimate fighting championship they have the solution to churn it is wwe and ufc programming that you can just you cannot get enough of so we got we got a multiple uh news dropping yesterday as we got ready for the first tko earnings call they dropped the press release. NXT to the CW network, effective October 2024, just in time for them to go onto this call to tout a 70% increase over the average annual value of NXT on the USA network, which is unbelievable, Brandon, because we all know how much NXT was making on the USA network, don't we? Uh, we we have some ideas. Actually, I, I didn't even hear about this until I, I was I was voting at the time. I, w- I went to go vote, not not just in, in the Wrestling Observer Hall of Fame, which I did, but also at my local election. And 
I guess I missed that dead deadline. Was at least one that had it out. Was PW Insider one that had it out as well? PW Insider yeah. had a report earlier in the day that WWE was nearing the completion of a deal with the CW network. So this came several hours before the press release came out to confirm it. Right. So so anyway, as, as I was, I, I totally missed this, and, and as I, I was reading through the earnings release that they had just put out. Um, I figure this is this is kind of a dull earnings release, and we've only got twelve days of WWE because the the closure of the deal for whatever accounting reason meant that they were only going to give us twelve days of of WWE financials included in this TKO release. They did break out the entire three months for WWE, but uh, yeah, then we got big news that NXT is going to to the CW network. Um, what is it? So it's a set, as you said, seventy percent increase over their current. Average annual value. Um, we've got deadline saying fifteen million. We've got uh, Sports Business Journal's John Orand reporting thirty to fifty million average annual value. Um, I don't think that's right. Uh, fifteen million sounds pretty believable to me. And I've asked around. I, I even emailed John Orand himself. He said he was going to look into it more. Um, so this is something that's been uh, that's been a curiosity since NXT really has been on the USA network going way back to uh you know obviously October 2019 and when the deal was first announced when they first made that move at the beginning of the Wednesday night war uh, there was a question to George Berrios on an earnings call saying does does this because you you're taking this program from being on your own network where you weren't getting paid for it obviously there's there's no peacock even at the time. You're taking it off your own network and putting it onto the USA network. Does this contribute? Because uh, I was looking through the archives today. Ben Swinburne, the Morgan Stanley analyst, asked George Barrios if, if the move of NXT to the USA network was a meaningful contributor to profitability. George Barrios sort of just didn't didn't answer the question and uh, said that they're they're doing this for the future, which reads to me like an indirect way to say, no, this is not a big money deal. This is not a major contributor to, to uh, profitability. Um, so that was, that was deal one. And I, I did, I did this graphic if I can show it on the screen here. So we're, we're on to what we're in currently is, is the second extension of, of a deal between NXT and, and USA. So they got one extension that was announced in March of 2021 and would have began October 2021. Was that a meaningful increase? Well, an analyst asked Christina Salen, who by that time was the CFO of WWE, and and asked if, you know, does this does this mean that much to EBITDA to, to profitability because you got this new deal here? Um, basically under the impression that, you know, before the the first uh, term was not a huge money deal. Does this renewal, this extension mean that this is a big increase? And uh, she said it wasn't really a big difference to profitability. I'm paraphrasing. Um, and then we we were under the impression as of uh, their, I believe their Q4 report, which came out in February of this year, where they said that one of the meaningful uh, one of the, the issues of significance on the horizon is that NXT has to be renewed. So NXT's second extension, I believe, expired just a little while ago, like early October or late September. And apparently, I mean, they're still on the air, so they must have made some sort of extension. Was that an upgrade in money? I don't know. Maybe it, it could have been. I don't have you know a quote in front of me to, to tell me that, that it was a small uh, financial deal. Um, could have been bigger. But the, the $15 million sounds pretty believable to me. Um, Fifteen times 1.7. Of 
according to my sources, is twenty five and a half. So that's that's sort of where where it would be. And I have oh, I have a graphic for this too. So to is this a little with- odd in terms of just the way NXT is always handled? Is like today they have a big news to report on NXT. It's moving to a broadcast network. This is a sizable increase, and yet this extension comes and goes last month without nothing. They are able to exclude NXT in their earnings. It's like NXT is when it's beneficial to them, they will, they will tout something, but more often than not, it's NXT is not include. Like when we look at like average attendance and stuff, like NXT is always excluded. And I mean, is that, uh, can they continue where NXT is both trumpeted as this, this driver now for us, it's moving the broadcast television, yet it's also this thing that's almost like this, this add on that we don't have to include with our main product. Well, it, in, in terms of what has to be reported, and I think that this is something that's, I think, part of a, 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 a small but larger story that I wanted to note today is that we're getting less insight into WWE's business. And, you know, I, I, we were no I, longer I would say way less the, yesterday. Like I was, I was very underwhelmed by just the level of like what we could take away from these. I think it's a, it's a drastic step back from the usual amount of information we were privy to in these earnings calls. Right. But I think it's, it's something that needs to be explained for, I guess, audio, audiences like ours where, you know, how can they get away with not reporting X or how can you know, the, 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 the common questions, how can they get away with reporting what they report, what they claim for the WrestleMania tenants when the, the paid number was smaller? Um, it's just a matter of, in, in this case, is it material to your business? And what does material mean? They're, they're, yes, they're a publicly traded company. The SEC is overseeing them. Um, what do they have to report? Obviously, they don't report everything. They don't, you know, people think because WWE is a publicly traded company or was a publicly traded company by itself that we would get to know what, what every wrestler gets paid and every bit of information we would ever want to know. It's not that at all. What they're required to report is what's material. What does material mean? That, that is up to interpretation. And material basically means, is it important for a reasonable investor to know this so that they can properly you know, evaluate the value of the company? And is NXT's business that important to, to valuing the value of this company? When it, when it comes to media rights, not really relative. I mean, they don't even tell us exactly what the numbers are for, for Raw and SmackDown uh, in, ter- in terms of what those deals are. What they break down is, here's how much we made across the entire media segment, what we're going to call a media segment. The reason why we know what the, what the SmackDown and the Raw deals are is, is because of independent reporting, where maybe they got it on background from somebody at WWE, but we don't know that because WWE has on the record said that. Although they, they often, as the years go by, they sort of say things that corroborate and confirm it, but we never get that directly from them. But NXT, their rights fees would be baked into that overall number that WWE is reporting. Am I correct in that? It would go into media. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So, I mean, like, it looks to me like it was, I don't want to say insignificant, but in the grand scheme of things, like fairly insignificant. If we're talking about at a point where even if like 15 million a year, like, think about that. That's a couple of weeks of raw uh, in comparison. Like this is a drop in the bucket in terms of what they're being paid. Like you could certainly look at is NXT even uh, profitable off of such a, a little amount if we're to separate this from its core the wwe's core business i mean this has other values but as a standalone i mean at 15 million a year this is like that we're talking like almost 30 million less than what aew is commanding right and it's only a two-hour program when we look at aew AEW, we're talking about at this point five hours of mm-hmm. weekly content um but this is i mean what what does this say about 
you know, NXT, I mean, if we're talking about what the expenses are, are we talking about the entire performance center? And, and, and maybe that ha- really has an R and D value, but are they, so I guess one, one question we could say is if, if this is worth about two, a $26 million average annual value, are they spending less than $26 million on NXT performance center all in maybe? Um, so it, in, can we call this like, Hey, is this a big success? Because they went from, this was a an NXT show that was on the network, and it was just something that was costing them money, and they're running some very small uh, house shows <laughs> touring around Florida. Um, I, I would say this is a, a success, that they've gone from something that was generating relatively no revenue to something that is that is generating some meaningful revenue if, if they are making as much as $26 million, and the, and the larger basis would indicate more, but I don't think that's the case. But $26 million, decent i mean i mean this this deal very very positively i guess it's just looking at like the 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 usa uh contract itself but it got them to this point and maybe there's a bit of a blind spot we had towards cw network and when you look at how aggressively they have been towards uh sports programming um maybe not so surprising that they were in the mix here like we had we had seen the the report from House of Wrestling, and it, it seems like there's a, a bit of confusion over what exactly the NWA's involvement with CW is or is not, because neither side has publicly commented on such a deal. But this would certainly, if if uh, if history is an indicator, very hard to imagine a rival professional wrestling promotion being in business with the CW after they just announced a five year deal with a WWE property. Yeah, I mean, I I don't know, I. I, I did read Nick Housman's report, um, and he makes it sound like the the cocaine spot on on the NWA show precipitated this this NXT deal. Maybe that's the case. Um, is, does does this mean that NWA is not going to have even the reality show? Which I think was I I was under the impression was still on the table that the, that the NBA reality show, not their in ring program, that maybe that was getting pushed to the mm-hmm. CW app, but maybe their reality show is still going to be on um, the network. Um, th- thinking about which, which seemed to be their of, greatest interest was this Billy Corgan led reality series was what had their their most attention. Yeah, with, with thinking of it in, in the context of would would a network would would WWE and or a network be okay with having another wrestling property on the same network? Um, I mean, that's an issue of contention in the MLW antitrust lawsuit where they're alleging that you – you. Uh, this would not be the time for WWE to be pushing exclusivity for what really would be of no risk to NXT or WWE yeah. to have another promotion involved. Yeah, I mean, the conclusion I want to make is that I, I would not rule out that NWA or any other wrestling company might not have some sort of minor presence on the CW network um, just because of this. I, I don't think NXT being on this network rules it out. Um Consider that that is part of it of, of an issue that's being that is related to an issue that's being raised in a lawsuit against the Manta Trust lawsuit, and and consider that they're under this new supervision uh, under uh, Ari Emanuel and Mark Shapiro and uh, under the Endeavor executives, where they just said something you know last night on the earnings call about P- PFL, saying, "Oh yeah, we were really supportive of PFL being on being on ESPN, even though they're a, another MMA company." So I don't know that that's something that they're necessarily like allergic to. Maybe like a Vince McMahon led company might have been. So the CW network is a broadcast network. It is technically deemed as such. This is, I would think, you know, this is not considered one of the big four networks, but why don't you tell us a little bit about uh, the CW network? It is, it is in about, as I saw today, about 78 million homes. So what is that in comparison to, is this, uh, is this a move up for NXT? 
in terms of coverage, yes. In terms of profile, no. Um, you know, what's the what's the the most viewed? I did I did a chart earlier today showing sort of what what's the average viewership of of uh, their primetime slate, um, and it's it's really small. If you go into you know if you if you visit Spoiler TV, which is reporting the broadcast uh, ratings every day, they are including CW along with the major networks, um, and it's it's. It does pretty small ratings. It does ratings that are sort of on the level of what Access does a, a lot, a lot of nights. So, and, and what NXT is doing currently on the USA Network is blowing away uh, almost anything in that that CW Network ever puts on its air. Um, so, uh, it, it's a real question to me about like what kind of viewership is NXT going to do on this network? It's it's available over the air. I can get it on my antenna. It's probably on every cable system. So the the coverage is a little bit higher than USA, but it's a much lower profile, I would say, television network. This was um, the home of Riverdale for you uh, fans. This is the home uh, of SmackDown back in the day. That's right. SmackDown had a several year run when the UPN migrated to become a CW uh, in the mid 2000s uh, as well. Yeah. Um, you know, it, Brandon has like the more recent, like I was just reading today that in the 2022-23 broadcast season, they were doing a point one uh, in, in the demo and 548,000 viewers looking at like their primetime numbers from eight till 10. I mean, they're, they're significantly lower than that. I mean, yes, even, even if you are looking at not migrating fully your NXT audience at the beginning, I, I can't imagine they will not dwarf their, their regular average on, on the CW network. As far as like predicting, and this is a year away, but yes. predicting what they're going to convert, I just have no idea in terms of like, should I think it's going to be smaller, the same, or higher than what they're doing currently, which is like in October, the average 800,000 viewers, the average of 0.23 in the demo. Are they going to convert all of that? Is it just going to be this, this, you know, notion that wrestling fans will follow you anywhere you go and they're going to retain everybody? I don't know. Um, or are they going to get even more viewers because they're going to have slightly greater access to, to, to the network? Uh, I just have no strong sense. Yeah. I mean, we're a year out. We, you know, what, what will the number of homes that CW is in uh, a year from now? Same as USA network. But I think two of the key questions are like at number one is, do you keep this on Tuesday nights? And that's hard to answer because we don't know what the schedule is going to look like a year from now for all of these programs, raw SmackDown dynamite. We, we could see a musical chairs of programming. And number two, if this increase leads wwe of the thought that does is this a time to take nxt out of the performance center or do we just keep these these fixed costs like the ufc has found great success doing all of these fight night cards out of the apex instead of like they're slowly getting back on the road more but that has been a great savings for them as i'm sure nxt has being in its own building every single week and i think the argument against it would just be is the does the atmosphere affect NXT? And I, I don't know if there's really much to that. That would be worth such a a decision to go on the road with NXT. Yeah, I mean, don't under, underestimate how expensive it is to tour with mm -hmm. a show like Raw, SmackDown, Dynamite, Collision. It, it's we're talking like a half a million dollars a week or something like that in production costs, um, and probably not enough to cover what what they're getting right now, which is like twenty six million. It just hap so happens to be. Um, that, that you know, it would probably cost them about twenty six million dollars to tape a show live on the road every week, and so they'd be breaking even. <laughs> uh, so I don't expect that. Um, maybe in the future, if they get a lot more money for NXT, but not anytime soon. Also, opens the chance for cross promotion with Live Golf. Yes, it does certainly. Um, Live Golf merging with the PGA TKO, not 
not, after all, uh, getting a, a minority stake in the PGA, but it does op- open that up. ACC football is also on CW. Um, I think they have some other. Oh, they have NASCAR Xfinity, which is like the the NXT of of NASCAR. So, so there's that too. So there you have it. Uh, NXT to the CW network in October of 2024. So that was a bit of a backdrop going into the very first TKO earnings call. I've got to say, Brandon, I definitely built it up in my head a lot more about the lineup of speakers we would have on the on this call. There was a, uh, I would say, none of the uh, besides Ari Emanuel, none of the. Um, None of the none of the key figures. Is this the end of the Nick Khan led earnings calls? I think that's that's a great loss Definitely. of this merger yeah. if we have lost Nick Khan quarterly. Well, well, Paul can thirst is always open if if he needs some outlet to speak. Um, Maybe you can send a text. But yeah, did you happen to listen to the Endeavor call this morning? There's I did an Endeavor not call. hear the Endeavor call. Who was on the Endeavor call? Harry Emanuel and Mark Shapiro, no. and I and I forget their CFO's name. It's not Andrew Schleimer like it is for TKO, but um. No, it was very redundant. I mean, they talked about their why. They talked a lot about TKO and just said a lot of the same things that they had, they had said. Uh, they could have just played a tape, maybe, and seen if anyone yes. noticed. Have I we located be- Brandon Ross since he was uh, dumped? Did you hear him mid mid question? And they yes. just like it's like Doctor Evil hitting the button, and uh, there there he went. Yes, uh, but it, it was very much a, a rehash of of what was said the the prior evening. Um, yeah, I think you know. There's definitely no Vince McMahon. There's no no Nick Khan. It's just uh, you know, it's it's Endeavor is taking this over. You know, uh, Endeavor fifty one percent owns uh, TKO, and uh, yeah, it's a it's a separate company in a sense. But it's you know, it's very much Ari and Mark Shapiro who are publicly you know facing the uh, the investors here. I got very little from the data that was provided here. First of all, this was a third quarter earnings report that covered that period that three-month period for the ufc do you have an explanation as to what the wwe side it covered september 12th through september 30th and i don't know what i'm to take from these numbers of what they generated in three weeks they did did you see though they did break out here's july 1st and september they did they did they did include the full thing but this this was beyond my accounting capabilities of understanding this so I, I don't know. We would need an accountant to explain it. It probably wouldn't be that exciting or interesting. Anyway, I'm, I'm guessing what they did was they, they created the hold company and they put UFC into it before September 12th, which is the day that this merger officially was completed. So I, I imagine UFC was in the hold company, which becomes TKO prior to September 12th and was probably in there by, by July 1st. Um, but W obviously was not until the merger was officially closed on September 12th. Anyway, it won't be like this going forward, obviously, uh, with the Q4 call, which, which which will entail October 1st to the end of the year. We'll have the entire uh, quarter of, of WB being in, in there. Um, yeah, the, the operating metrics now are no longer for WB. It's no longer attendance. We get no no insight into attendance. We don't we don't no more key performance indicators. There was slides. no KPI. No KPIs. Uh, maybe I'll have to corner the market on KPIs. Uh, none of that. The, the new operating metrics, rather than attendance, um, there's no no merchandise uh, reporting here. But the new operating metrics, did you see them? Are this is how many events we run? We're 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 back to uh, to EBITDA from adjusted OEBDA. We've we've made that big switch. Yes. Yeah. Uh, the, the non-gap measures, the profit profitability measures that they report are. It's sort of. Just uh, I include things that I want to include and, and don't include things that I don't want to include. And it's 
this is a financial metric that I'm using that I would like you, the investor and reader, to to use to evaluate my performance. I'm going to exclude certain things that I just want to exclude. But the real they, they lost money, by the way, just because of all the costs that were associated with the, the closure of the merger. I don't anticipate this is going to be an unprofitable company by any means going forward. Um, but they did report a net loss rather than a positive net income for the quarter. How did you find just in terms of the 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 data that they did present, I mean, is this just um, like for, for your purposes here? Like, do you see this as a significant uh, just decrease in in transparency or do you feel that like a lot of the tone of this call was we'll have a lot more for you in February for our next call? Like this really did feel as though uh, um, we're, we're still in the moving in process. And by February, I think we'll get a, a clearer picture of things. But just what what did you think in just terms of like the layout of the numbers and is this helpful or is this more of a of a hindrance when it comes to trying to get more of a analysis of each company i mean yeah it's it's not helpful for transparency and for my purposes no um but that's i mean it's i don't feel like they're breaking sec rules or anything though it's just a matter no. of this this company is on a bigger scale now um it's sort of like you know Sinclair was a publicly traded company and people thought that, you know, we're like, oh, do we get Ring of Honor information? No, because Ring of Honor is so small on the scale of Sinclair Broadcasting. Um, and now WB is less than half of TKO because they valued UFC as, at, at, a, at a higher rate slightly. Um, so the the things that are material that need to be reported are just fewer. Um, but they did... Uh, as you alluded to, the outlook for the full year will be given next quarter. Um, so there's no guidance. It looks, it sounded like, according to, if I, if I interpreted Andrew Schleimer's comments correctly, that there will not be quarterly guidance, that they will just be giving annual guidance. That is, we'll, we're going to project for you what what we think the financials are going to be uh, going forward. Um, and no, no, no news yet on capital allocation which means, among other things, no news on whether or not TKO is going to pay a dividend and how they're going to maybe do stock buybacks and, and some other things. So, yes, more to learn uh, three months from now. Well, Ari Emanuel did address um, their their desire to continue to look for our favorite term, cost synergies. And uh, here is Andrew Schleimer, who was one of the speakers on the call, talking about the areas that they are still exploring when it comes to cost savings and areas that they might be able to find some overlap in. So here is Andrew Schleimer. I would also like to provide some additional detail on the cost side. We're performing a detailed review to identify cost savings opportunities across all of TKL. We're focused on areas such as IT, marketing, finance, human resources, and legal. In addition, we're looking at overlapping personnel and revenue-generating areas such as sponsorship, media rights, and consumer products. We're also reviewing ways we can be more efficient in other areas of the business, including live events, production, and operation. We've already identified and commenced actioning upon runway savings that, when fully realized, will allow us to achieve the upper end of the previously communicated range of 50 to 100 million in annualized savings. We anticipate realizing approximately 75% of these synergies in 2024. All right. Andrew Schleimer, a new name to add to everyone's uh, Google alerts list and uh, another another talking head that we had there. But just going over a lot of different areas that it seems as though as much like I got the impression like they are not done necessarily with, with cuts. We heard we saw all the, the cuts that went down back in September, but 
it would seem like that's still an area that they are in the process of evaluating and finding this overlap that they can continue to have hit the high guidance of what they had set out to make. Yeah, it's not particularly reassuring, I guess, if you're a WB employee and wondering if maybe there's another round coming, but I don't think that changed that expectation either. There was also a huge emphasis on site fees for their big events. And uh, of course, UFC has enjoyed many of these for years. WWE uh, is aggressively getting into this. And specific, they mentioned multiple times that the Elimination Chamber show in Perth next February would be the largest site fee that WWF has ever uh, it has ever received for an event, which I have a so hard more to- than $50 million. Well, that's, I have to imagine that they do not recognize these Saudi Arabia shows as yeah. being quote unquote site fees, because it would make absolutely no sense for the government of Australia to be spending anywhere near $50 million for a standalone WWE event. So I would imagine Saudi Arabia is in its own category. Yeah. It must be, I don't know, propaganda fee or something like that. Um, but yeah, it's a, uh, I think sort of one of the overall themes I hear is that, and I think it, this you could say this started when Nikon came to the company and when they changed the strategy from doing the network direct to consumer to to licensing it, that this is a company that's become about licensing, about selling the rights to, to various things, whether that's TV, whether that's our our network, whether that's just the right to have our show in your local area. With, and bring all the benefits to it that it's going to bring. Um, and that's something that I, I, I gather UFC has been doing for a while as well. Well, it's going to be something that they they continue to go after in a, in a big way. And then, of course, Raw was a big topic of discussion. So um, first, we'll, we'll just hear from Mark Shapiro, who responded to Brandon Ross about the concerns when it comes to uh, sports right, uh, live sports rights and if they could be in trouble, if WWE or UFC are seeing this and whether they are concerned. The state of sports rights and the dollars being spent on sports rights remains in a very strong, robust position. And to Ari's point, we're in the middle of this. It is strong and robust for us too. Raw is a very healthy property. Not only are ratings up, it's got a lot of equity to it. It's got longevity, it's got brand affinity, it's got super fandom. And we're gonna take our time with this. We have until next October. We can flip the switch, just to remind you, because we do all the production. So we can literally move, you know, from one network to a new partner overnight. We can do it all. Mark Shapiro, definitely the guy that I think has the uh, the best presentation skills that we had on on this call. I thought about that while listening to him. You you're, you really think he's a, a, like a good speaker here. I I, I don't disagree. It's, it just didn't occur to me. Um, he he yeah. also in enough interviews I've heard I think he's he's open enough that I mean his background is like this guy worked at ESPN he's less I would say um rigid when it comes to his like everything has to be close to the vest and I'm watching what I'm I'm saying he seems to be a bit more more of a human being sometimes in some of these interviews which I appreciate um certainly um yeah to me he's no Nick Khan I'm going to state that I'm I'm very down on the fact that these Nick Khan quarterly uh appearances look to be done yeah. So one thing I, I took away from that comment was that you know, so I put out all these questions the other day saying, here's some questions that I think would be good to ask. And one of them was, does the fact that you're going to have to wait, presumably, until after the NBA deal is done, which might not be until the summer, if they're going to, it's, it's going to be at least after May, I would think, because they're going to wait until the exclusive negotiating window is, is has ended, which will be at the end of the NBA season. 
which is in May. So it's going to, and then it's going to take them a little while after that to get a deal done. So maybe a deal doesn't get done until summer, maybe later than that. And the WWE raw deal is going to end in October. So is, is there any risk to, to having to put the show on a new network with such a quick turnaround? And he's, makes it sound like, no, there's not, we can do it overnight. We can make it happen real fast. Um, I, my, my questions would be around like, is there any risks that that presents to, to making ad sales? If you're, if you don't know three months in advance that you've got this show, but I suppose that that would wash out in a quarter of a year anyway. It's, it's one like they have continually stressed the fact that, that raw, all of their programming, it is something that is, first of all, it's, uh, it's you, you cannot be wrought with fears of churn. First of all, that's number one. Number two, very flexible. We can move overnight. We can go to any network. We can go to any time. We're we're that flexible. And and number three, I would say I would state that the other like big takeaway here was their emphasis. Like we are going to be very patient when it comes to raw. Like I I don't think anyone is holding their breath for a raw renewal uh, this year and possibly till like next summer in into the fall like this could be one that is a real buzzer beater for them when we're talking this time uh, end of september like we're less than a year away and if they're somewhat held up until these nba rights are completed um like the nba isn't going to be speeding up their process for the benefit of all the other programming that wants to figure out their deals i i almost wonder if there will get to a point where they try to get a small term a short term extension uh with NBC Universal. I think like as we get closer to the summer and there's no deal, I could certainly see that being something on the table for them to at least get through football season or something like that. Yeah, it, that's been a theme with these smaller deals. Apparently NXT getting an extension of uh, apparently one year. The Hulu rights have apparently been extended because they're still on Hulu. Um so yeah, and I think that's similar for for AEW in that that they're waiting for NBA rights to be done too so that we can see who are the suitors? I mean, I don't expect the AW to go anywhere, but WBD, but so that we can see who the suitors are, who, who are the people who don't have NBA at that point or have less NBA than, than they have currently. Uh, what are the nights that are available that don't have NBA on them? And where, where do all the, all the other wrestling shows go? And do you, do, do we end up with any WB versus AEW head to head there? Um, and how much money is left after all the spending is, is completed on, on the NBA? Um, yeah, I think that's something that we, that we could see happen is that there might be maybe a short term extension. I, I mean, I think so much of what we've seen so far has been nobody, nobody predicted, you know, SmackDown was going to go to NBCU. And um, credit to Lavi Margolin for bringing up uh, CW as a potential home for wrestling uh, like a year ago. Um, but yeah, I mean, nobody expected NXT to go to the CW. So I like, I just hesitate to make any predictions about where, where Raw is going to go and how it's going to end up. HGTV lands raw, <laughs> right? Discovery that would be discovery. Yes, um, that that's that is what we could be potentially looking at. Yeah, it's um, very interesting to look. Um, JP Morgan had put out an analysis this week, and they they had like the four suitors that I think a lot of people are looking at. Disney with their idea, this being JP Morgan's of landing raw on FX with the potential of a third hour that could be exclusive to Hulu. And then the other candidates being Warner Brothers Discovery on the caveat that is Fox Sports still interested in pro wrestling and going after the AEW product that would be at a great savings over what SmackDown was earning, much less what their increase was uh, the asking price for. Amazon Prime 
And then fourth being NBC Universal, which the way they couched it was almost this, like if all things are equal, they have NBC Universal. That would seem like they would be, they do not want to interrupt their Monday night programming. But I mean, WWE wants to be open to some offer that could just blow away everybody else. And I just, I don't know if that offer is going to come Raw's way. We will see. Yeah. I mean, Amazon Prime Video was what many and, and and on some weeks I was predicting for SmackDown. So I think Amazon Prime Video is still a real player. I, I guess net, I, I don't think Netflix is going to end up with it, but Netflix does seem to be taking some real steps into sports. They're doing a golf tournament. Um, so they, they, they've always said, you know, we, we don't want to license sports. We want to, we're, but we're interested in owning sports, but they've said a lot of things that they've gone back on, including, you know, having an ad tier and things like that. Um, so yeah, I, I have no idea where, where Raw will be or what night it will be on uh, a year from now. Mike Jennings, we thank you very much for the Super Chat. Enjoying the show. Informative as always. Well, we try, Mike. If you want to send in any Super Chats, if you have any questions or maybe predictions, you are uh, welcome uh, to send them in as we uh, continue to uh, discuss the, the rights and uh, coming out of the earnings call. So the call, as we mentioned, it was about 40 minutes. I think they took five questions on this earnings call. Not many. Not, not many, whole not lot. many this morning. Ari had to get going, there. man. He had better things to be doing. He's like, one more question. He's like, we, we got to get out of here. I think, I think Mark <laughs> Shapiro like took off his whole night. He was ready to take questions into the sunset. Yeah. Did, did you notice? I think the prepared remarks were like recorded in advance. It sounded because he sounded, Ari Emanuel sounded very different in his prepared remarks versus when he was doing Q&A. He did so, sound very prepared. I've re-listened to it this morning going through clips and it, it was, uh, it, it was a distinct, uh, difference in his opening remarks versus his uh answers where it's also very interesting like when ari would answer something like mark shapiro would then follow it up what ari's trying to say or something like that it's like he would add the the like context after he felt uh the answer needed a bit more uh clarity which uh maybe that was just me reading into things here um but yeah it was any other of like the big topics that you saw uh coming out of this i do i do want to play this uh this thought on their their competition. Maybe let, let's play that first and then we can react. This is uh, Mark Shapiro addressing the PFLs, the Bellators of the world, and how TKO views other other promotions, other leagues out there. Yeah, look, the investment that SRJ made in, in PFL, we look at to our advantage. We have no issue with, with Bellator, PFL, you know, name your league. To Ari's point, competition is good. Not only do we have over 600 fighters, we have the premier fighters. I mean, ultimately, you're trying to get to the UFC, which is akin to the XFL trying to ultimately get their players into the NFL. I mean, that's what we, yeah, we are. Those are those are pipeline and feeder uh, properties. In fact, we're supportive of them being on ESPN. PFL has been on ESPN. We were totally supportive of that deal. And the Saudi experience uh, should should prove out well for us. And I think prove something to every investor on this call. Because when it first came out, it was a lot of what's going on. They're coming, they're coming after us. They're 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 going to take fighters out. They're going to increase fighter fit, fighter pay. UFC's in trouble, you know. And then quickly on the heels of that, we announced our deal. So good for them. Saudi Arabia is being very aggressive in bringing events to the kingdom. They're in discussions on the WTA finals for tennis. Uh, they're looking obviously at motorsports. There's rumors about their potential investment in F1. You know. All kinds of stuff that are out there right now. All we know is they want more MMA, which is great for us. And the more they have, the more it's really just going to serve as an appetizer to what will be 
The meal, which is UFC. The meal, the main course, Brandon. Yes. So, um, Anyone wor- worried about, oh, they're going to increase fighter pay. Don't you worry. We have got them under our thumb for, for years to come. Right. There is nothing that's going to interrupt our – If you're a UFC just... fighter, if you're a UFC fighter listening, you better save your money. <laughs> don't don't even think about it for a, for a second. But, yeah, competition is good. We love competition. And if you're listening, Judge Richard Bulware, competition is great. We, we love it. Don't think we need a trial in April. Yeah. Um. Did, did you see the – I I didn't really think much of this, but I, I guess I didn't really see it. But the the aggregators are making a story of there's a risk factor listed must be in the 10 Q that says um, this man being on the board is itself a risk. factor. Now there's dozens and dozens of risk factors. It's not like this was one thing that was specifically called out among among, among nothing else. There's a lot of other things mentioned here, but uh, the 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 filing says. Uh, his membership on the board could lead to negative publicity and or have other adverse financial and operational impacts. Um, there could be additional scrutiny or otherwise could exacerbate the other risks described herein. Um, I, I did search for his name right away when we got the 10Q and there was no, there was no update or like further insight into the, the grand jury investigation that's happening around him apparently, uh, which, but it, but it was mentioned that there are subpoenas and things of that nature. Um, things of that nature. It led me to believe that this grand jury investigation is still ongoing, that they would still mention it. They still mentioned the MLW lawsuit in this filing, which is an, a lawsuit that's still ongoing. So it's not something that is a matter of the past. It is still happening. Yeah, it was. First of all, I, I think it's yes, they're listing it as a, a risk factor. Um, I, I don't unless there is like some other shoe to drop with Vince McMahon. I think that it's just more so a a worst case scenario. And I, I don't see there being a whole lot of negativity towards Vince McMahon's uh, involvement on the board of directors in this current state. Now, if there are some indictments, I mean, I come, could, yeah, I think he could be indicted. And if he's indicted, that's bad publicity. And that's, then that's the shoe that drops. And then this becomes a much bigger case. And then, you know, it, it really does become sort of the issue, like how much of a risk factor is this for TKO to be aligned with someone in a an active uh, investigation by the government that is you know looking at, at the potential of an indictment uh, the the other one being the the antitrust case against the UFC which now has a trial date set for April the 8th of next year which unless there is a settlement between now and then the the roads have pretty much been cleared to go towards this trial this was brought up in the uh, in the earnings report but it was you know, I I am somewhat amazed that it is not more on the radar of some of the analysts out there. And just given given the amount of attention that the PFL investment got, um, as I've said before, I'm just surprised that this antitrust trial, uh, this antitrust suit, is not something that is more of concern now that there is a clearer path towards a trial. And in a best case scenario, you have a settlement which would go into the millions and millions of dollars, uh, much less treble damages that they could face uh, for, for this trial. So if there was a settlement or if there was any, any kind of payout, I would think that they would have insurance that would help cover that. I, I think a, a bigger question that I would have is, is there any, could as a result of this lawsuit, could there be any, uh, could they be forced to pay fighters more or something like that? Would there be any last contracts? financial impact because of this and that's something that I, that should raise uncertainty to to the, to the stock value yeah and and thus far uh, it is not how did the stock react on uh 
on, on Tuesday and today, uh, Brandon, to this news. It seems largely unchanged. And it, so the NXT deal is a relatively small deal on the scale. Certainly, on, on it's a small deal on the scale of WWE. It's a small deal, on, certainly on the scale of TKO when you add in UFC. But the stock price is down one percent today, whereas the indexes are basically flat. There's a very small movement on any of the indexes today. Endeavor is up one percent. Um, I saw WBD had their report this morning too, and reported that their their ad revenue is is lower than expected. So the uh, the TV ad market is facing challenges and cord cutting is facing challenges. But did you um, listen to the WBD call? I listened to part of it. I listened to the latter, I don't know, 20 minutes or so I did. I got my fill of, um, of Mr. Zaslav and, and Gunnar this morning. Did he refer to Mr. Khan at all during the hour long call? <laughs> no, he didn't. He didn't talk about AEW. You know what that means? He, if, if AEW is such a big deal, how come David Zaslav's not talking about him every second? Well, we can, uh, any closing thoughts just on the, uh, the the earnings call and just a- any other topics that came out? Like I didn't, I, I thought there was like you know some some key indicators in terms of like what their prime objectives are, and essentially this is setting the table for 2024, where they feel there is tons of ways to exploit uh, all of this IP to open up WWE to further sponsorships. Vince McMahon has taken his hands off the wheel when it comes to his protection of the sacred mat and the WWE arena. Plaster every logo, put every image up. Let's just go to town. Zombies are just step one and they're just going to go and further attract sponsorships and get governments to pay for their events. Yeah. I I think it was like we said, there's going to be a little more next quarter in terms of they'll at least have a full quarter of WWE to include here. Um, and we'll break they will break them down into their four big segments, which do I remember them are media live events, sponsorship and consumer product licensing. So there'll be a little, there'll be a tiny bit more of insight next quarter. There'll be some um, guidance on what they think they're going to make. The entire TKO organization is going to make uh, for the year of 2024. Um, maybe there'll be some news next time about capital allocation and dividends. Sounds exciting. Um, and our time of having, you know, some, some comments from WB executives every three months is over. It's, it's totally up to uh, whether or not they just make media appearances or not uh, going forward. We're just going to hear from from the overlords at, at Endeavor going forward, I guess. Yeah, it could be the end of an era in terms of, uh, you know, the the run that they had from the Linda McMahon hosted calls to the George Barrios hosted calls. Vince Vince was definitely the best because you could just get Vince flying off the handle on some of these calls. I mean, he was for, for all we want to say about Vince McMahon, there were times he would be brutally honest on these calls. I, I always think remember listening to them longer than I have then. I, I I mean, I was listening to them pretty pretty early on, as as I recall. I I definitely remember the one right after the announcement that the XFL was was going to be shelved, oh, wow. and he just like he was not putting any of the blame on anyone other than this this failed. It did not work. Like he was very contrite in terms of this being the 2001 version of the XFL, yeah. not the uh, the the follow up ones. But yeah, you would see like when there was a rough quarter. I mean, Vince McMahon, he was generally like he would be pretty he he would be pretty steadfast in terms of just we're not presenting a product that people are wanting and you would get some sometimes some like very clear answers that were not sugar-coated it was always interesting to hear vince on these calls yeah i i have i found archives going back to 2011 but no earlier than that i think 
Um, I would be really curious to to hear because it's been a, it's been a publicly traded company since October '99. So be be really curious to hear what those other conference calls, the earlier conference calls, sound like. Um, I, the early I, I ones, would, I would literally like star one and try to get in on really? calls. Yeah, but amazingly, I was never called upon. But uh, I, 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 I did try uh, um, in the early days. I, I will I will take issue with one more thing that Ari Emanuel said um, in the context of NXT and putting over you know this, this NXT deal. He said that ninety percent of the WrestleMania roster this year was from NXT. Oh yeah. Um, and I, I, I I did a quick look just before we went on the air here, and I took out a notepad and I was like, uh, I can get I can get to you know. More than half, I would say, are not did not get them get most of their wrestling experience from NXT. What, what are you um, talking about? Kevin Owens debuted in 2014. Shinsuke Nakamura, he's only been wrestling seven years. Right, Sami Zayn, Drew McIntyre, Sheamus, and then there's like the edge cases. Like, on what side of the fence should you put Logan Paul, uh, Ronda Rousey, who maybe they did some stuff at the Performance Center, but we're certainly never in NXT. So you're disputing 90% from NXT. I'm definitely, I'm definitely disputing 90%. Yes. Well, let's talk about uh, just a couple of uh, ratings notes before we, uh, we wrap things up. I want to go back to uh, this past weekend. So we'll just go in order here. Uh, SmackDown was back on Fox. They did 2,119,000 viewers, 0.53 in the demo. This was a taped edition of the show with the, well, half the crew in Saudi Arabia. So they were down 6% in viewership from two weeks prior on Fox after the one week on FS1. Rampage that same night, 298,000 viewers, which I believe the second lowest viewership in its normal time slot ever for Rampage. However, the demo was up 23% this week at a 0.11. So, I mean, they did have a bit of a younger audience for Rampage, but not a great viewership figure. And then the... uh the most focused upon, would you say collision are the most, like, what are, what are you getting the most engagement on these days, Brandon, when it comes to numbers? Do you think collision is the, the hot button number that is most debated, discussed, analyzed I each guess. week? I guess so. Collision, because it's new and, you know, there's been such media. fluctuation with it. I mean, it's one where, I mean, all of these shows, like, we're not seeing crazy changes, but collision is one that, I mean, depending on the week, I mean, you can see, like here we had 366,000 viewers uh this week and a 0. 0.09 and like this was really noteworthy um we we still don't have the college football numbers do we from from Saturday night no sports tv ratings has not reported uh any, any Saturday or Sunday data yet um so we don't know but it did, it did appear like i i would start making this argument that even in when there's a ple from WWE that's earlier in the day doesn't even have to be head to head. It appears to have an impact on collision. With uh, I, I think this confirms it, Brandon. I mean, you yeah. called this right away. I think this confirms it. I like regardless of like. I think there was an Alabama game going on. Like regardless of what a college football like, there were several games. I don't think any audience, unless it was just something absurd, could justify this being down and not citing Crown Jewel as a factor when you get a three and a half hour show. And your audience is not coming back for wrestling that many hours later on a Saturday night. So I, I think it 100% is uh, a contributing factor at, at this point. This was what the third lowest collision in history. That's what third, fourth. If we're talking about total viewership, I see three others that are lower here. Um, demo might have been a different story, but yeah, no, I think it was, it was Bix. I, I remember Bix floating this idea about uh, money in the bank having an effect. And I figured, mm -hmm. nah, and, but then you see this, uh, 
I, I, you know, I didn't. And then we saw some more weeks where we really saw what the head-to-head uh, competition did, and it really seemed to have been similar to the impact that that the day of Money in the Bank had. And here we've got another earlier in the day, and there's going to be more of these, right? I mean, Elimination Chamber will, will be at some time uh, in Australia, uh, and there's going to be a, the Berlin show. That'll be another afternoon show next year. Um, and God, we'll see how much of an impact WrestleMania has on this when it goes head to head, presumably uh, next year. Yeah. One, one difference, the money in the bank show, that was also a taped edition of collision. So this, we at least saw a live collision. If, if you feel that made any kind of a difference, that would be the, the only difference between this one. Yeah. And then raw Monday night, 1,522,000 viewers up 9% from last week and doing a 0.47 in the demo. So again, Nielsen has been delayed this week. So we don't know what Monday night football did, but it seemed like this was a, a bounce back after last week going against both NFL games and, or, or both, uh, Monday night football and the world series. So baseball is out of the way. And they did, uh, 286,000 viewers in Canada, Brandon, their highest number since August 21st in Canada. Huge, huge number for, uh, for Canadians right. that were uh, tuning in. And this was. This was one of the higher uh, ratings of the of the year in, in the US, of the NFL season, I should say, uh, in the U.S. as well. And I don't believe we have a NXT number yet, but uh, that that will be coming. Um, Brandon Brandon is the only person we can we can fully depend upon for numbers. Well, there's so the delays I understand are with broadcast, so that's why we have a raw number, but we do not have what Monday night football did on ABC. I imagine the ESPN numbers are out there somewhere. I don't have them though. Um, we do have an NXT number. Do you want it? Yeah, let's, uh, let's hear. So, uh, first of all, last week, NXT for comparison points, this was on a uh, Halloween night did a uh, 674,000 viewers 0. 0.20 for Halloween havoc night two. So seven ninety four seven hundred and ninety four thousand viewers, uh, total. That's really strong for them that's uh yeah 0.26 in the demo 0.26 in the demo. that's a very good number for a show that was not built around anything that sizable uh for for the show so i, I would look at that as a that was a very good number for nxt right so yeah i have to start punching that into the uh to the big spreadsheet uh but yeah that's a that's a pretty good number but yeah, i guess the, the the cable is has not been delayed i think at any point but yeah we're still delayed on sort of understanding what the what the college football did and everything else that was on broadcast over the weekend all right and last super chat here from justin roberts been a while since i've had the chance to watch live thank you both for all of the hard work well thank you justin for uh for tuning in catching us live where we are each and every wednesday at 3 p.m eastern time is brandon muted no, he is in uh Brandon is in ratings mode right now as he is uh preparing to put out the NXT numbers. Uh but that's going to bring an end to this week's edition of uh Pollock and Thurston. Uh we will be back next week. As always, you can go catch WrestleNomics each and every Sunday at eleven AM Eastern Time this week up at patreon.com slash WrestleNomics. They did a free show uh this past week with Brandon and Jesse Collings. And as Brandon noted, you did vote on Tuesday, did you not, Brandon? Oh, you are still muted. Do you hear me now? Now I can hear you. Yes. Um, I did vote on Tuesday. It I'm getting you. Your your voice has now changed, though. Okay. Let me let me fix some stuff. Okay. Well, 
I was going to ask him about voting in the uh, the Observer Hall of Fame, but both of us voted this past Tuesday. Results should be out in uh, several weeks, and I'm sure we will uh, spend some time going over the results of the Observer Hall of Fame. But uh, do turn, tune in to uh, WrestleNomics this coming Sunday. And tonight, Rewind to Dynamite with myself and Wei Ting. We will be live at 10 p.m. Eastern time up at YouTube.com slash Post Wrestling. And then we're putting out an edition of Talk on Thursday where Wei and I, you'll never believe it, we're going to talk. And that will be up at PostWrestlingCafe.com. Perfect. You're coming in clear. I was asking you, you, you did the double vote on Tuesday. I did. I did. I voted for, um, let's see if I can remember while I find the tweet, CM Punk, but oh, just wait, Roman Reigns. Oh my gosh. If you're, if you're not mad at me yet, Young Bucks, uh, as well as Beauty Pair, Tomohiro Ishii, Reg Parks, and Jim Johnston. I think that's everybody. You had a very concise ballot this year. I like it. I'm a stingy voter. I don't. Uh, I don't. I don't vote for many people. I went this year. I, I did have a, a larger ballot this year with the with the added um, um, categories and how you could go. So uh, my my ballot was as follows. And this is breaking news, by the way. I saved it for for this show. Uh, Argentina Rock and Miguel Perez, Johnny Rujo, Sergeant Slaughter, the British Bulldogs, and Wild Bull Curry in the historical candidates. Uh, modern performers. The Briscoe brothers, Mark and Jay, the Young Bucks, Paul Orndorff, CM Punk, and Roman Reigns. Japanese section, the beauty pair, Tomohiro Ishii, Shingo Takagi, and then non-wrestlers, Dave Brown, Bobby Bruns, Bobby Davis, and Morris Siegel were my, that was my ballot. So Tuesday, that was the vote. Did you Today get a sticker? Is the, I didn't get the sticker, no. Dave, Dave um, didn't give you a sticker, huh? Um, no, no. The no, Canadian I, flag or something? I think you could get a sticker or you could you can print it out at your on your home computer now. You know, there's usually a fax option that's on the ballot. There's no fax option this year. I was disappointed. Oh. I got right. faxed in my vote. Do you were you um a big at, at any time getting the, the physical copy of the observer? Because now oh, the of uh, it's the end yeah. of the it is the end of the physical copy era of the observer. It will now be just yes. just digital. Which I, I haven't I got a I haven't got I a hard copy over of, a decade of waiting to see whether my tapes were going to show up in the mail, whether my observer was going to show up in the mail. Those were the days. And then there was at some point, do you remember this where it, it used to be stapled and then he changed it to like the sticker tab that, that yes. cause it's, it was a fold yes. over. See, I'm, I'm proving that I really got it. It would be, it would be folded over. And for the longest time it was stapled at the top. And then at some point in the mid two thousands, it became like a white circle sticker that would bind it together. Man. Those the, uh, the history of uh, the mailing process. I- I'm amazed he went as long as he did with the uh, with the hard copy version. I mean, that had to have been yeah. a giant pain. But there you go. Um, you can check out your your Observer newsletter and whatever whatever form of media you so desire. But that's going to wrap it up for us. Uh, thanks to everyone for tuning in. Thank you for the super chats. Thanks for tuning in live. We are back next Wednesday, uh, 3 p.m. Eastern time. What will be going on in the wrestling world next week? Who should know? Maybe we will have TV deals to discuss. Maybe we will have God knows what else uh, we'll be dropping over the next seven days. But we will keep you up to date. Go up. WrestleNomics.com, PostWrestling.com. And that is it for this week's edition of Pollock and Thurston. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. 
And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.